0: Well, good morning again. Uh, just a, a couple announcements before we jump in. If you get our weekly email, then you know uh, my family and I are actually headed to the East Coast right after this service. Uh, my son Andrew came up to me and said, "Dad, listen, you can't talk forever after the service today. Okay? Uh, we gotta, we gotta get going. We're getting to St. Marie tonight, so <laughs> so we are headed east." Um, And we're excited about the next four weeks. There's some really great services planned. Um, I was just saying to the team this morning while we were getting ready that there's just like a real sense of camaraderie and friendship uh, when we gather. And it's just really beautiful to see. Sometimes I look around and uh, just see people connecting and laughing and hugging. And uh, it's just a really, really great thing. And so God's up to some really cool things. And I'm excited about the next uh, four services. Um, Randy is going to be preaching at one of them, and Jeremy, and Kaya, who was just up here, and Teen Challenge is coming to do a service as well. Where's Don? Okay, Don's here. Uh, So yeah, that's gonna be uh, really great, and there still is a barbecue every other week, so not next week, but then again on the next, the one after that. So looking forward to that, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody again on the first Sunday in September. Um, So that's our family update, and I just wanted to give one more update Uh, because there's not uh, a ton of announcements, and so I just want to share this. I don't always share ministry that happens in the middle of the week, but on Friday, I had a really incredible opportunity to go into the Thunder Bay District Jail and be a part of a ministry. So the the two young men that were here for the prayer tour on Sunday night, and a lot of you came for that. We had an incredible time on Sunday night praying for Canada, praying for Thunder Bay. Uh, It was just phenomenal time. Those two young guys, they were actually in Thunder Bay for the whole week, And so I just put them right to work. I figured they're either going to leave Thunder Bay exhausted and never want to come back, or they're going to fall in love with Thunder Bay and we'll see them again. And that was kind of what I was hoping. So they they were at uh, Grace Place all day one day. They were at Northwind a couple days. They were at the Thunder Bay District Jail. Uh, We took them up to the top of the giant. But at the the Thunder Bay District Jail, I just want to tell you about something that happened. Um, We had an opportunity to do chapel services for the whole uh, institution. And so um, Dawn kind of, Dawn's back here. She's a program director at Teen Challenge and among other things, I think does all kinds of things, um, pulled together this team. And uh, we went in on Friday and there was, what I was blown away by was this team was made up of people from all kinds of different churches in Thunder Bay and different ministries in Thunder Bay. There wasn't one church or ministry represented. And since being here over the last six years, I've heard people talk about a lack of unity in the church. And there's probably some, uh, truth in that, where there's people that don't, don't agree. But I was blown away. Here we were Friday and we were in the jail and there was such a sense of unity. And the ministry of Christ in that place was incredible. We actually had an opportunity, and I've never seen this anywhere else in Canada uh, in jail ministry, but we actually were able to go to every cell and give hot dogs through the bars to people. Like it was, it was incredible. I mean, there was this one guy and, and the, the Thunder Bay jail has quite a lot of people. So some of these cells, they have two bunk beds and up to three, sometimes four guys in one of those and they had put beds on the floor. And I was, we were supposed to only give out one hot dog per person. That was a pretty strict rule. And uh, if you're like me and you like to just make people happy, I was tempted to give two whenever people were like, hey, can I have another one? I'm like, no. And uh, we had this one guy, there was this couple guys in the cell and uh, I gave out a couple hot dogs and then the guy said, oh, one more for the guy below me. And I was like... Nice try. And, uh, but anyway, I looked down, and, and like, sure enough, right underneath, like on the floor, there was another guy there. And so um, just really tight uh, living spaces. But they were so appreciative that there was people in there talking about Jesus and giving out hot dogs. Um, as simple as that was, there was just such an appreciation. And the chapel services were actually happening at the same time as we were delivering food to the cells. So some of us would be up delivering food, and then some of us were down in the yard, where we were on one side with a sound system, and then on the other side of a chain-link fence, there were people in there for the chapel service. And, and it was incredible. There was one service in particular, no word of a lie, the whole group of them stood right at the front, and they were like leaning up against the chain-link fence, and they were hanging on every word of what was being shared. Like, just incredible just seeing God move in that way, and just such a sense of unity. And what I felt like... As I walked away from that, and I thought, you know, the attention, the focus today was Jesus. It wasn't one ministry. It wasn't one church. It was just like a bunch of people that love Jesus getting together to, to spread his love. And so, really incredible. Um, yeah, and, and thanks, Dawn, for how you spearhead that. Dawn uh, is that Teen Challenge, and she's actually been on the mic here and let people know if you want to be involved in prison ministry or that kind of thing. Um, get in touch with her. She has another huge outreach happening in a few weeks that she's probably still looking for help for. So uh, Dawn's Don's right here at the back, and if you want to get involved in, in that, um, you can talk to her. So, so uh, I'm excited to, to just jump into the scripture today. This is um, I'm going to bring this David series to a close, sort of, okay? Uh, so we've been in this series called David, Flawed Human, Holy God and I'm headed out this Sunday, and so I'm going to wrap up uh, with a prayer David prays near the end of his life. Randy's actually going to dive back in. When he preaches, uh, he's going to go back in and and tell one of the stories of David's life that that I didn't share, so I'm sort of wrapping it up, but we are going to go into David's life one more time, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um, It's going to be recorded. So Uh, so this one here, uh, David, the title of it is David and God. So all through this series, the titles have been like David and Shimei, or David and Saul, or David and Bathsheba and Uriah, right? These different stories. This this particular uh, prayer we're gonna look at, it's, it's David's relationship with God. And, and I just want you to, to know, and we've we've highlighted this through this series, David is one of these guys, like you can't follow David's example in everything. You guys, you guys cool with that? Okay. So we've talked at length in the last uh, couple weeks about some of David's significant flaws, okay? So he was involved in this scandal where he uh, slept with somebody, tried to cover it up. He got involved in a murder. His kid's life went just absolutely haywire. He had 19 children and uh, 19 sons and one daughter. And there was like a scandal that happened in his kid's life. And he just totally turned a blind eye. So he, he's not this person that you want to follow all the things he did. But one of the things you want to follow is that David's life was characterized by a relationship with God. Have you ever met anybody like that? Where you get around them and you go, it just seems like everything they, they say, everything they do, like somehow they just want to point back to God. You ever been around people like that? i uh getting ready for this, this uh, message. Uh, there was a guy that I knew, I still know him today. His name is Robert. He's a pastor in New Brunswick. And He was one of these guys that the way he lives his life for Jesus, and still to this day, I just haven't seen him in a few years, he's just all out. Like to the point where sometimes you might feel a little bit awkward, okay? Um, So Robert had this reputation. He's this pastor, and and he loves to pray. And uh, I remember one time uh, I was in the mall in St. John. We were on ministry somewhere, and we had the team. We were out doing the mall. And we bumped into Robert in the mall. And Robert was like, he's a very expressive person. Kind of reminds me a little bit about like David, right? And, and Robert saw our team, and he had a few people with him, and he was like, he just started like dancing around, and this is how he would get. When he gets excited about God, he just gets like kind of dancing around, and he's excited, and he's like, can we pray? And I, I'm looking around, and we're literally like in the mall in St. John, people walking by, and I was like, yeah, well, sure, let's pray. So he, so he gets us in a circle, and we're like, Right in the main part where, like, all the stores are around us, and he gets us in this circle, and we're all standing in a circle praying. And, and Robert is one of these guys that when he prays, too, he's very expressive. It's not like one of these somber, uh, you know, you know toned-down tone prayers. Like, he, just, he gets expressive, and his body gets into it. And so we're, like, in the mall praying, and, and, he, and he used to go, when he prays, he'd go, oh, yes, yes, like, mm. like, he would just get so into his prayer. And it was in the, and I was just so conscious of all these people around but I was also like, man, I just love this about Robert. Like, His life is characterized by this relationship with God. He had no thought of like, I wonder if people are going to think I'm, I'm weird. I, I definitely had that thought. Okay, <laughs> We're like in this group and there's like 12 of us and Robert's just being super expressive and I'm thinking all these people walking around and, and Robert was like just lost to it. It didn't, it didn't even enter his mind. He was just so excited that he was with people that love to pray and so he figured, well, we're in the mall, we may as well do it, Right. And uh, his life is just characterized by God. And David is one of those guys. And so uh, his life is characterized by his relationship with God. And as a Jesus follower, and this is how I want to wrap this, this series up, as, we, as this is near the end of uh, David's life, the psalm we're going to read. Um, if you want to turn there, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 22. But it's also a psalm. If you go to Psalm 18, it's almost verbatim. So uh, the narrator who wrote the book of Samuel was so impressed with this prayer at the end of David's life that he included it in the narrative, okay? So First and Second Samuel is a narrative account of David's life, of Saul, and all these incredible stories, okay? So filled with stories. It's an easy read. Uh, psalms are filled with, half of them are David's prayers. The other half are prayers and songs from other people. Uh, But this psalm actually ends up in the scriptures two times, and the narrator of the book of Samuel put it near the end of David's life. And so it's almost like this this song, this psalm, this prayer is like David's summary of his experience and his encounter with God. And there's some really incredible things in here. And what I want you to notice as we read this, we're going to look at three rhythms in David's life, and and you're going to see it as we read this prayer. Uh, but the three rhythms of David's life are prayer, story, and presence. So David's life was characterized by God, but the rhythms of his life were prayer, okay, his interaction with God through prayer, story. David interacted with God through the stories that he had heard about how God interacted with the people of Israel. And you're going to see that in this prayer. Like the, the story of God was just ingrained in David's mind and heart. And then presence. David was constantly aware of God's presence. So when he was a shepherd tending sheep and nobody knew his name and nobody even knew he existed and he was kind of the runt and the one that was like laughed at by his older brothers, he was just keenly aware of the presence of God. And then when he's a warrior and he's going out to face Goliath, he's, he's aware of God's presence. I just, uh, Matthew's testimony was really, really good, by the way, and I appreciate him sharing that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you picked it up, but we're, maybe it's because we're in the story of David, but Matthew told a story about this little boy that like, shot him with a slingshot. And, and Matthew's probably the tallest one amongst us. <laughs> and I thought, it's kind of a reverse. Like the, the good guy in the story was the giant, whereas in David's story, the bad guy was the giant. And so, um, but we're going to look at David. He was so... The stories of God, the stories of how he'd seen God move were just in, in his mind and heart in the presence of God. So prayer, story, presence... And a lot of this stuff, and I've, I've said this through the series, uh, I got a lot of uh, information on this series came from Eugene Peterson's book called Leap Over a Wall. And I would encourage you, if you love the story of David, pick up the book by Eugene Peterson, Leap Over a Wall, and he just walks through David's life. And uh, he's got lots of insights into what it looks like for us to walk with God based on uh, what we learn about God through David's life. So we're going to read uh, this 2 Samuel chapter 22. And if you're, if you're like really uh, kind of a nerd for study and you want to go to Psalm 18 and, and try to follow that as I read Psalm 22, you'll see a couple minor differences, but they're almost exactly the same. So you can, you can do that. But let me just pray before we read this. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for how we encounter you in rich and profound ways. Thank you for how we see you in David's life. You're there at the high times when he's doing well, when he's pleasing you, when he's honoring you. But then when he is displeasing to you, even when he's rebellious to you, you show up. And we learn a lot about you and what it, like, what it looks like to turn to you through how you showed up in David's messes. And so, God, I pray that as we read this t- today, that we would hear your voice and that we'd be pointed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Try to hold this, uh, this down. So 2 Samuel 22, and just listen for um, those three rhythms as we read this. David sang this song to the Lord, On the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul, he sang. The Lord, and as we're reading this too, just like think about David's whole life, all the stories that come to mind that we've talked about over the last few weeks, the stories you're familiar with, uh, and, and how David learned about who God is and how that ends up poetically in this song. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the heavens shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew. Soaring on the wings of the wind, he shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A, bright, a great brightness shone around him and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed and they were confused. Then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. I'm just going to stop there for a second. It's like David, the way that he interacts with God, do you see the full picture he has of God? He's got this understanding of God's anger, God's wrath, but also God's mercy and grace and love and compassion. You know, if you hear one aspect of God's character emphasized too much, you don't get a full picture of him. But David, it was like he had the full picture. He'd seen the things that anger God, but then he had seen the things that bring joy to God's heart. David had actually been on the receiving end of God's anger and judgment. But then he'd also been on the receiving end of God's grace and love and mercy. And he says this here, which is fascinating. He says, he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. Do you know that? Like, do you have a sense in your heart, in the heart of hearts, that God, the creator of the universe, the one who invented oxygen and made the Niagara Falls, like, do you get a sense that he delights in you? Sometimes we hear about God's anger and his judgment and we feel like, oh, I just... He's this angry God and we kind of like shy away from him. Well, David had experienced all of it. He'd experienced every, like all these different aspects and, and different angles of who God is. And he comes out saying, God delights in me. Like what a fascinating thing. That's what it looks like to have a relationship with God. It isn't to, to be lopsided in our view of who he is. It's to get the full picture, but then to also have this, this deep sense that he delights in me. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. It's quite a bold statement David makes after all of the evil that he's done. After all the mess ups, all the mistakes. But but we talked about it last week. David actually embraced consequences. He embraced criticism. He embraced all these uh, punishments that came to him. But he came out on the other side with a deeper, more profound sense of God and who he is and what it means to follow him he goes on he says things that you go wow like how do you get the confidence to say that he says I have followed his regulations I've never abandoned his decrees I am blameless before God I have kept myself from sin the Lord rewarded me for doing right he has seen my innocence to the faithful you show yourself faithful to those with integrity you show integrity to the pure you show yourself pure but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd you rescue the humble but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them O Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock. God is my strong fortress and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. I chased my enemies and destroyed them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I consumed them. I struck them down so they did not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They looked for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trampled them in the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You preserved me as the ruler over nations. People I don't even know serve me. Foreign nations cringe before me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. They lose their courage and come trembling before, from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all of his descendants forever. It's this really powerful prayer that encapsulates David's life and David's interaction with God. And and here's what I want to encourage us with today. So David, and you'll see it in this, this psalm, and I encourage you to go back and read it. But David had these three rhythms. There was prayer, story, and presence. So prayer, do you know that David, and I just want to get you thinking about this rhythm of prayer. What does your prayer life look like? David knew nothing of God that he didn't pray. Just, just think about that for a second, okay? I, I don't have a screen to put that up there. David knew nothing about God that he didn't pray. Everything he knew about God conceptually, intellectually, in his mind, in his head, he prayed those things. So when he wrestled with God's judgment, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, when, when God struck down this guy Uzzah, which is a really baffling passage of Scripture, and you go, why did God do that? Like, David, he, he reacts. He's angry. He, he flees from that place. He doesn't even know how to respond. He doesn't know what to think of God. And then he goes to God in prayer. You know, it's, it's some ways it's easier to understand when you pray, when you're excited about what God's done. But when you see God do something that's just kind of jarring or unexpected, you, you, sometimes we just kind of wade around in this place of confusion and we don't know what we think about God, we don't know how to, you know, respond to certain things. Well, with David, there was nothing he knew about God that he didn't turn into prayer. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says about this. He says, It's no exaggeration to say that anything we know about God that's not prayed soon turns bad. Then Listen to this. The name of God without prayer is the stuff of blasphemy. The truth about God without love for God quickly becomes oppression. We've seen that over and over again with the church. You know, people that stand on things that are true about God, but they don't actually know God and it turns into oppression. It turns into people that are strong becoming oppressors and forcing truth on other people that are weak. And God will have none of it. He says, uh, so-called theologians, whether amateur or professional who don't pray, are in the league with the devil. Indeed, the devil can be defined as that species of theologian who knows everything about God, but will have nothing to do with him. So David is this different kind of theologian. He was this king that he could have become an oppressor. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. In what he did with Bathsheba and the way that he covered it up with Uriah, David was on the quick path to becoming this really corrupt spiritual leader. We've seen all kinds of examples of that, even in our lifetime, of, of spiritual leaders that have abused their power and become oppressors. But God wouldn't have it with David. Because God knew that David actually wanted a relationship with him. So then God actually, he rebukes David, he deals with David's sin. David falls to his knees and he cries out to God and he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, I recognize that I've broken your law. He prays to God. He doesn't use truth in a way to oppress other people. God won't allow him to do it because David has turned what he knows about God into prayer. It's this relationship. That's what prayer is. When we're we're struggling, when we're confused, when we're excited, we turn it into prayer. David, before going into battle, he would ask God, God, should we go? He lived in a time of warfare when when warfare was common at that time. When he celebrated, he danced and he prayed when the ark was coming into Jerusalem. The Psalms are filled with praises and adoration of God. When David's best friend, Doeg, stabbed him in the back, he prays about it. Psalm 52 is this prayer where David goes to God and he's like, how could somebody turn on me like this? How could somebody that I knew and loved turn on me uh, so, so horribly? In Psalm 55, another one of David's really good friends, uh, this guy turns on him, his name is Ahithophel. And if you read Psalm 55, David is crying out to God and he's saying, God, I've been stabbed by somebody that I used to go to worship services with. You know, if you've ever been hurt by somebody in the church, if you've ever been hurt by the church, a lot of times when the church hurts us or somebody that claims to love Jesus hurts us, we, we use that and we're like, we kind of turn away from God. Well, David went through some of those things And instead of turning from God, he would run to God and he'd say, this guy, he used to worship with me and now he's turned on me. What do do I do, God? He would bring these prayers to God. There was this rhythm of prayer in David's life. David knew that God was good, merciful, loving, kind, holy, righteous, and that God was a good judge. And his prayer life is filled with conversations with God about all of what he's learned about God. So that's prayer. Secondly, this other rhythm, David inserted himself into God's story. I was really excited to share this with you because this is the first time that I've seen this in the scripture, uh, in, in studying for this this week. And so before I, I tell you that, this, this quote, we've been quoting this all through the series uh, by a guy named Leslie Newbegin. He says, If the biblical story is not the one that really controls our thinking, then inevitably we shall be swept into the story the world tells about itself. David, like he had heard all of the stories about God. So we've got the scriptures today. We follow the scripture. We follow what the scriptures teach about who God is. David had heard the stories of Abraham and Moses and these like fathers of the faith that had gone before him. Um, He's got some incredible women in his lineage that were a part of how he came into the world. He'd heard all of these stories about how God had moved in the heart of uh, Rahab and just all these incredible things God has done. And the story of God was so ingrained in David's mind that when he faced hardships... He saw it through the lens of the scriptures. Okay, so story. David inserted himself into God's story. In verse seven of what I read to you, David says this. He's he's talking about a difficult time in his life. He says, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried out to my God for help and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. And then verses eight through 15, there's a lot of poetic imagery. But then in verse 16, listen to how David talks about the Exodus, okay? The Red Sea. The flight path is just it's real. <laughs> Everybody wave at the plane. <laughs> um, so David, he goes on, he retells this story of when Israel passed through the Red Sea. Okay, so verses 16 to 20 in Second in Samuel 22 says, listen how David retells the story. Then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. So the reason I wanted to read that to you, David is referencing a time, and you're probably familiar with the story, when Moses led the people of Israel through the Red Sea on dry land. When David references that in the prayer that I just read to you, he puts himself in the story. Do you notice that? It's like he weaves in. He's talking about the Red Sea, and then he's saying, and God, you rescued me when deep waters were, were going to uh, crowd over me. Well, the Red Sea incident had happened hundreds of years before David was alive. And so what's he doing? Why is he referencing the Red Sea and when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, like, and then David puts himself in the story, and the reason I want to draw your attention to that is because I think in our own life that we, if the story of Scripture becomes the story in our mind, we actually start to see God at work in our life in similar ways that we saw Him at work in the lives of people that encountered Him in the Scriptures. So when David felt like the world was closing in on him, when he was battling depression and anxiety and fear, he started thinking about the stories that he'd heard about when God took the Israelites and he passed them through the Red Sea and he he put himself in that story. And the way that he tells that story, it's actually very different from what we read in Exodus about what happened in that story. But David had inserted himself in it and he started to understand like God's story is actually the story of how he interacts with people like me. And so the reason that we, and Matthew said it in his story, the reason we encourage people all the time, like, dig into the scriptures is because in the scripture, you learn about who God is, what he's like, and then when you face a difficult time, you might remember somebody like Job. You know, there's been times where bad things happen to good people that I've just struggled with, and I thought, well, maybe it's because they messed up, or, or maybe it's because of some sin or some wrong. And then I think of the story of Job, where Job he went through what he went through, not because of any sin or mess up. There was this heavenly conversation happening and, and God had chosen Job to use Job to reveal his glory. And whenever I face really challenging circumstances, I actually, I've started seeing it through the lens of Scripture and it comforts me because then I have a deeper understanding of how God is at work. So the, the first rhythm is prayer. David didn't know anything about God that he didn't pray. But the second rhythm is it's story. David had inserted himself into the story of God. Do do you do that? Do you read the stories of God and have a deeper understanding of what it looks like to know him and to be known by him? Can you say it with confidence like David did where you're like, he delights in me? You know, as you you, uh, encounter the stories of God, you will come to that confidence as you allow him to speak his words of truth into your heart and mind. And then third, and this is the last one, presence. David lived in a constant awareness of the presence of God. When we meet David, he's this shepherd who's neglected by his brothers. Uh, He's overlooked by like the big wigs of his day. Samuel was the big prophet. We talked about that in one of the first weeks of this series. Samuel uh, didn't really think of David as like king material. He thought of David's older brothers as king material. He's overlooked. He's off in the shepherd. But David, at the time when Samuel was in town, David is off in the wilderness. And, I'm, and the, the scriptures don't tell us when David wrote Psalm 23. Um, but when I read it, I just imagine David writing that as a little boy, in a sh- uh, doing the job of a shepherd, forgotten about by his older brothers, forgotten about by the bigwigs of his day. And he just sees, he's like, God's my shepherd. God's with me. He wasn't, he wasn't clamoring after people to notice him or recognize him. He wasn't looking for Samuel to notice his name because David knew. He was like, God knows me and I know God and that's good enough. So when we meet David, he's just, he's aware of God's presence. And then David becomes a warrior and he he goes to face Goliath. And the reason David isn't afraid when he faces Goliath is because David has a bigger view of God. He's Goliath, everybody's shaking in their boots. They're all terrified of, of Goliath. And David looks at him and says, He's nothing compared to God. Why would I be afraid of Goliath when I serve the one who made Goliath? Right? So he's just got this constant awareness. And then when David is a king, he goes from being shepherd to warrior and then to king warrior, where he's like leading the armies of Israel, he's leading the nation of Israel. He just lives in a constant state of awareness of God. So much so that when he steps out of line and he sins and he messes up, as soon as God sends somebody to correct him, David falls to his knees because he's so aware that God is with him, God is active. And David doesn't want to continue living in a way that rebels against God. And so he's aware of the presence of God. He lives in a constant state of an awareness. And I I want to, as I close this and close this series, I just want to ask you this this question, because it's something we pray. And so I'm hoping it's becoming more true in your life. But are you aware of the presence of God in your life? especially when you're not here in a church setting. One of the things that's fascinating about David's life is that David was this warrior, and if you read that psalm, he he says things like, God gives me the ability to stretch a bronze bow. God gives me the ability to leap over a wall. He's talking about warfare tactics. So he was so keenly aware of the presence of God in his everyday life. And are you aware of God with you as you're parenting your children, as you're at work, as you're just out doing the things that you do? Like, are you, are you aware of the presence of God? And if you go back and read this song and read all of the, the things David talks about, a lot of it doesn't have to do with being in a church setting like this. It has to do with just life. And David was just, he lived in a constant state of awareness of the presence of God. So, David, his story is long. He's he's the longest told story in the pages of Scripture other than Jesus. But David's life can't can't save us. It's only Jesus that can save us. And Jesus, actually, he's like the better David. David points us to Jesus because David was this flawed human who encountered a holy God. But David's life could not save us from our sins like Matthew was talking about. And David actually points us forward to this other human that was coming. Jesus was called the son of David. Da- Jesus comes and he's the perfect priest. He's the perfect king. He's the perfect leader. And he dies this brutal death for us. And the reason we can have confidence in our relationship with God is because of Jesus, like Matthew talked about in his story. And so if you're here today and you've, and you've not put your faith in Jesus, I, just, I encourage you to call out to him his love for you is deep, it's rich, it's profound. And the reason we have stories in Scripture like we do about guys like David is to encourage us. If there's anybody that comes into a church setting and says, well, I've messed up too much to to be able to connect with God, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not perfect, you read David's story and you're probably going to go, wow, well, I'm not quite as bad as David, (laughs) okay? But most people that read the story of David go, wow, like that was crazy. And, and the reason David is called this man after God's own heart isn't because God's okay with sin or because of God's okay with some of the things David did. It's because God made a way for us to have a relationship with him through what Jesus Christ has done. David's life points forward to Christ. And, and you and I can have this relationship with God in the same way that David did. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to close with a, a couple songs before we, we eat together. Uh, but I want to give you these three practical rhythms uh, from the life of David. And, and so I hope that they've, they've kind of settled in your heart. But as we go from the story of David, uh, I think one of the, the things that, that we can learn to put into practice these three rhythms, that David, one of the rhythms was prayer, that there was nothing David knew about God that he didn't turn into prayer. So he encountered God through prayer in a, in a profound way. Story, David was so familiar with the story of God that when he faced difficult circumstances. He saw himself in God's story. Even stories about God that had happened hundreds of years ago. And you and I can do the same thing. Prayer story and then presence. Like just living in a constant state of an awareness of the presence of God. And, and uh, the scriptures reveal to us that God's presence is with us and invites us into a relationship. But unless that moves from just head knowledge, something that you've heard at church, to an experience, it's just meaningless. And I I encourage you to just continue to engage with God like we see in the life of David. David gets to the end of his life and his whole life is characterized by this relationship with God. David, flawed human, holy God. He was flawed. But even in his flaws, even in his mistakes, it's characterized by his response to God, by God's correction. His whole life is characterized by that. I I don't know about you, but I read the story of David and I'm like, God, at the end of my life, that's what I want my life to be characterized by. I want it to be characterized by a relationship with God. I talked to somebody recently that just was battling with their purpose. Like why am I here? What what is the purpose for my life? Why do I exist? You know, if if you're struggling with some of those things and then you go through tragedy like losing a loved one or losing a job or, or going through something absolutely tragic, it could be it can be devastating. Because it's like the the one thing you're holding on to, if you've lost that, it could be devastating to the point of you questioning even life. But you know what we learn? What God, I believe, is teaching us through the story of David is that He created us to have a relationship with Him. That, like, He actually created you and I to have a life that's characterized by relationship with Him. That we can interact with God uh, in profound and life-changing ways. Through prayer, through story, through being aware of the presence of God in the everyday life. And if He's speaking to you today, I encourage you just to engage with Him. Lean into who He is. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just thank you for your, your word, for how you speak to us in your word, Lord. We, we read the story of David, and we've been, we've been several weeks now in, in David's story, and he's this, he's this incredibly flawed person, but then he's also this person who just had a very real, tangible relationship with you. And God, I just pray that for each of us, uh, you, would en- you would engage with us, Lord. If there's people here, maybe, maybe there's people here today that have been struggling with the idea of you or struggling with things in their life and have not been turning to you, have not been coming to you the way David did in the midst of his struggles. More, give us the boldness, Lord, to, to engage with you, to turn to you. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, be a people who encounter you just like we see David encountering you, that our life would be characterized by a relationship with you. Bless each person here, Lord. Bless this neighborhood where we are, We just pray, Lord, that that you would have your way, that your will would be done in our midst. And then as you bring change and put hope in our hearts, Lord, that as we go from this place, that we would share that hope, that we'd share that love and that grace and that mercy with others, God. We love you, we look to you, and we just invite you to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.